Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, this is, excuse me, a damn fine cup of coffee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Log Ladies podcast, which is about episode two of the show, which is also sometimes known as episode one, which is not confusing, confusing. at all. <laughs> My name is Sangeeta. And I'm Katie. Hi. And today we're going to be talking about, like I said, episode episode one, episode two. Um, this yes. is very confusing, but it is called Traces to Nowhere, if that helps. It aired for the first time on April 12th, 1990. It was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch, and it was directed by, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Dwayne Dunham, and he directed most importantly the movie halloween town so that, that's what i wrote down oh. at a disney oh. channel classic <laughs> um this episode was viewed by 14.9 million people which is a lot less than the pilot was if you'll remember that was in the 30 million range but this was still apparently 27 percent of the available audience at the time so that's not bad Wow. And it changed the day that it aired, didn't it? So it was the pilot so. aired on a Sunday, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then this was suddenly changing to a Thursday. Yeah, right after Cheers. Everything I read <laughs> about this said it aired right after Cheers. Wow. <laughs> so. That is, I mean, having just watched it, I'm like, I can't. I can't, I can't I can imagine go going from, from that to yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't watch Cheers and then immediately be like, well, murder and mayhem in this small town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, shall I set the historical mood a little Let's bit for it. everyone? Let's do it. So, um, so it was this April 12th, 1990. It hadn't been that long since the pilot had aired. Mm-hmm. Um, bear in mind that between the pilot airing and this first, second episode... Um, on the April 9th, we had the world's longest bunny hop at Radio City Music Hall. Wow. So there was that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then April 12th, 1990 was also the day that Kristen Stewart was born. She oh, of happy, Twilight fame. Happy birthday, Kristen Stewart. Who I will yeah. defend forever because no matter how Twilight was, she was really good in The Runaways. This is also... <laughs> Historically, I mean, not that those aren't incredibly interesting historic events that everyone should know about, mm-hmm. um, but April 12th, 1990 was also the first meeting of the East German democratically elected parliament, mm. um, and it was the first time that they acknowledged, even at all, the Nazi Holocaust oh. and asked for forgiveness. It yeah. just took them like 45 years, well, but they, you know, they got to it. 45 years eventually. later. <laughs> So that was in everyone's minds. Wow. And then they swatched over to uh, to Yeah, so, I don't know. This is the episode that I watched accidentally, Ah. thinking it was the first episode. So the first time you saw this, you had very little context. I was so confused. I can imagine. I 
I was like, who is this character? What's going on? I don't understand. Uh-huh. Why are they all angry at each other? <laughs> right. Am I supposed to be guessing? Is it just supposed to be weird? And uh-huh. then I realised later on that, no, it was actually supposed to be sort of more, uh-huh. like, understandable. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I can see very easily how someone would make that mistake, because we've talked about this, the way it- it aired the way it's listed is very strange but um there's a lot that happens that would be very confusing with our context i can see that yeah and then watching it obviously the second time having finally watched the pilot Mm. i was like oh oh i get it i I get it it suddenly makes sense yeah (laughs) um what were your general thoughts on the episode generally um First of all, yeah, it made sense, um, which was a big change from the first time I watched it. And mm-hmm. then I also felt like I was getting more into the flow of, like, the small town. Like, mm-hmm. I was starting to sort of feel like I was really traveling with the characters, um, seeing how they're all connected. So, like, we had, like, Bobby and, is it Mike? Mm-hmm. The two sort of naughty jocks. Yeah. <laughs> And then they are connected to Leo, and Leo's connected to Shelley, and Shelley's connected to Norma, and it's all just so interwoven. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was just definitely noticing a lot more, like, that it felt like watching a soap. Yeah. Slightly weird, like, with, like, weird moments that would make me think, like, this isn't quite what I'm doing, like, a shot would be held too long, or they'd do everything in one shot. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, like, even, like, the... I start to realise the fact that it's all set in one day again. Yeah. Because that's quite a good convention for, like, a pilot. Like, a lot of TV shows do that. But then uh-huh. that the next episode was all set in a day is, like, what they do in a soap. Because it's, like, mm. each day is the day. Yeah, and they... Yeah, definitely. I think the comparisons to a soap opera are really interesting and really, I don't know, a really good comparison. Because I think I said in another episode one thing about David Lynch that I notice in life a lot is the way he just deconstructs the American dream. And in a lot of ways, I think we talked about this, um, soap operas do that too. But he like even deconstructs soap operas a little bit and makes them uncomfortable. And I like that. Yeah, definitely. I could definitely, it's, it was like he was using the conventions of it, but pushing them like slightly too far. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. whereas... A soap opera it only feels like it's small, and you always see the same characters because they only have a few actors. But it feels like quite friendly. Mm. But this felt like quite claustrophobic. Yeah, like I'm already starting to feel yeah. like I want to see someone new. I know these people, and I want to see a new person. But yeah. there aren't any. I like claustrophobic as a good word for this because it does seem. And we talked about isolation in small towns already, but it does feel very contained. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So how did you feel rewatching it? Um, I think I felt pretty much the same. I got um a little bit more invested, maybe, in Audrey and Cooper. That whole situation. Can't really talk about why yet, but um, <laughs> I learned that the relationship or that tension, if you will, the tension was suggested by the director. Not actually by David Lynch, but the director was like, hey, this should happen. And then he introduced that tension. And I I just like Audrey and Cooper a lot. And there are a lot of great Agent Cooper moments. You get introduced to his love of coffee, 
black as midla- midnight on a moonless night. Um, you get introduced to his love of pie. Log Lady has a couple good moments. <laughs> and what was that thing that he was doing when he's hanging from the ceiling with like metal boots? Is that know. a thing that people do? I don't know. I feel like I see people do that in movies and the occasional <laughs> TV show, but I've never known a person who has done that. Is it like a. What yeah, is I it? Know. I don't know. I don't want to guess and sound dumb, but <laughs> it's. Is it like a stretching thing or like a thing, a workout thing? But he had metal. I know on. it was so weird with clips. I have no idea what that was, but he thought that was the perfect place to like communicate with Diane about the Kennedys and yes, <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. I love that verb, like redirection. You think yeah. he's going to have something about the case? And yeah, it's just something so bizarre. <laughs> I just I love those little glimpses into Cooper's mind. That's why I love him so much. Is he's so weird? <laughs> he's not. I mean, he pays attention. He's a great detective and agent, but he's also so nutty, and he's he can't stay focused. And I like mm. that. It's interesting that you mentioned Audrey. I'm starting to feel like she's one of the only characters who's sort of aware that she's a character or something. Yeah. I mean, she seems to know what's going on more than anyone else. Everyone mm. else is sort of deadpan and, like, taking it very seriously. But there's just something about her character that's a bit a bit odd. But, like, yeah, in a good way. Definitely. I like her a lot. But she does, I think in terms of playing a character, she's the one who does it very obviously when changing her outfit and shoes, specifically when she gets to school. Um little one-liner. I don't know if this has happened yet, actually. All the episodes have been together. This isn't a spoiler. When she goes, in real life, there is no algebra. I don't know if that's happened yet. But um, there's one, there's little sassy things she says and she's just like... I don't know. She gets that. But I, that's a high school thing. That's a teenage thing where she's like, I'm playing a character right now. This isn't the real world yet. And I think yeah. that has an interesting spot in this whole town. That, that whole attitude. Again, I'm still struck by the fact that the high school students do not look or act or seem in any way like teenagers. No. <laughs> They're all just adults. They're all <laughs> going about their own lives. Yeah. There's a, yeah, they're, I don't know. It's They're all involved in these schemes and just... As my film professor always said, the seedy underbelly of the small town. He would be so proud of me if he listened to this because he said that literally every class. It's like, okay. Oh. He was great. He was great. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm starting to see what you mean about the long um, opening sequence, title sequence. Yeah. And when I was watching this episode, I started to think it's like one of those like tourist board by advertisements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. Um, it's um, you know, like when they say like, "Ooh, visit Michigan," yeah, or like when they show like all the industry. And, yeah, you know, they have those really sort of loving shots of saws going into logs. Yeah, and just panning across a mill, and it's like, "Ooh, visit, visit Swin Peaks." Yeah, because it like it looks beautiful, like a really idyllic logging town from the intro. But then you get past it, and you're like, never mind. 
Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Which I think and, yeah. Because David Lynch is like, look at this beautiful small town. Look at it. Look at it. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. There's all these horrible things. <laughs> I'm just going to tear it apart <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is interesting that sort of, um, that contrast between things that are like quite, like, I don't know, artistic, I suppose, in the way that they're shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things that are just so melodramatic and so soapy. And I don't mean that as a pun, but I am referring to the part where Leo puts soap in a sock yeah. and just starts swinging it around his head. Like, yeah, I thought of that I, too. I didn't know how to talk about that because obviously it was it was a pretty horrifying scene in the terms that, I mean, I yeah. felt awful for Shelley, obviously, but the way it was acted was really, I mean, it was a bit soap opera. It wasn't quite yeah. real. I mean, I think there's what is it the word grotesque mm-hmm. like technically means something that is both horrific and funny mm-hmm. and i think that's the way the only way i can think to like describe it because it is something the actual act itself is violent but the way that it's being done is so over dramatic uh-huh. so sort of like stagey and like you know like just just everything about leo and shelley's relationship is so mm-hmm. I don't know, the opposite of nuanced. Yeah, it's really, yeah, definitely. Because it's, I don't know, I I didn't know how to talk about it when I was thinking about it when I was watching it, because obviously that's a horrifying thing, and that's a thing that, I mean, you you can believe that it happens, you can watch the scene and believe that that's a realistic thing, but it also doesn't seem quite, I don't know, there is something off about it that makes it you unable or at least makes me unable to fully be in the moment i guess yeah i think that's a lot to do with like things like the camera angles they've chosen and mm-hmm. when they've chosen to sort of do a close-up of leo's face or even like yeah. the sound design where you hear that sock like spinning around uh-huh. and it's too loud for how yeah. loud it would actually be yeah definitely and i think maybe um your comment about the camera angles ties into something I read, which is the director um, really tried to emulate Lynch's style with the camera um, work. Okay. He, he tried to emulate the static cameras, the still picture thing that David Lynch tends to do, which I think lends really well to the voyeuristic thing David Lynch likes to do. The whole, But there was that shot that stands out of them zooming into Shelley like, at the end of the episode when she's in the corner. And yeah. No, it's it's interesting camera work. Yeah, that whole scene is it's so interesting. I kind of want to just pick apart the yeah. scene, but it's like there's so many things. It's, I mean, it's the fact that there's like all that plastic everywhere. Like they're still mm-hmm. building it. Um, how is I'm I'm still confused by everyone's like relationships <laughs> to everyone as well because Shelley is having an affair fair with uh, Bobby, yes. but Bobby somehow owes Leo money. Yes. But but doesn't that mean how? It's how? so confusing. <laughs> See, the thing is, I've seen every episode, and they I did just watch this one, but they all kind of blend together, and I don't want to like spoil anything for you. Okay. So I can't quite <laughs> remember what we've seen so far. But yeah, they're all <laughs> interwoven. Um, but you can see how Laura Palmer's death is not the most interesting thing that's happening in this town. There's so, so many things 
that are happening. And I read something else that said Laura's death was a MacGuffin. And then mm. it was supposed to be Agent Cooper finding out about a bunch of different things. Oh, interesting. And eventually the focus was supposed to pull away from Laura. So. Right. I mean, the thing with Laura is, especially also this episode, I just kept noticing how many things she was doing. It seems yeah. like she was, she was teaching one person English, uh, teaching one person just like generally yeah. tutoring them. She was organizing Meals on Wheels. Yeah. No wonder she was doing cocaine. Yeah. Like, I don't know how she had all that energy. Yeah, she was she was crazy busy. And I think that's... Going out with three people. Yeah. I couldn't even like, go out with one person. That was very tiring. But <laughs> it's, um, it's interesting because it really paints this picture of Laura Palmer as just the nicest, most generous person who also happens to do all of these bad things. And and drugs and stuff that we'll get to later, but it's the whole sort of deconstruction of the idyllic sort of person that you mm-hmm. think you want. And then, I don't know, it just reminds me of Pretty Little Liars, and when I watched Pretty Little Liars the first time, I was like, this is Twin Peaks light, essentially. <laughs> it's like Gossip Girl meets Twin Peaks. And there's, um, I don't know, it's just like the prom queen also has a dark side. Mm. That does seem to be like what the focus is on, and all the and everything that we learn about her is just telling us that she's got two sides, mm-hmm. or like got a lot more than most people saw of her. Yeah, and I like that. A it lot. did remind me a lot. Because of that, it just kept reminding me of um, the first series of Desperate Housewives. Oh, really? I think I read that that was... um, I haven't seen Desperate Housewives, but I did read that there was... It comes up occasionally on Twin Peaks-influenced shows, actually. Ah. I don't even know what the plot is. Was Well, Desperate Housewives is, like, similarly... Um, I mean, it became more of a soap in the later yeah. seasons, but it sort of used that idea of an idyllic sort of neighborhood, suburban neighborhood, and then one of these housewives had killed herself, I think, in the first episode, or um, she had been killed in the first episode, but there's this mystery of like what actually happened or why she did it, and um, she's narrating it sort of Oh. after her death and sort of explaining everything that happened and sort of all the things that were again like the seedy underbelly yeah. of American small towns A plus and suburbs and... <laughs> from my professor <laughs> 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 just like that in there yeah <laughs> uh, but it, it was that similar thing of um, you just slowly find out an extra because that's what the to for the ending of this episode, like, I wanted to talk a bit about the ending, because I'm still processing yeah. what that was, but this thing mm. of just every so often just slipping an extra detail in there that just completely changes how you're thinking about it, completely changes who you think did it. Mm-hmm. Because what? That's Amber Tamblyn's dad. <laughs> yeah. What is he doing? Yeah, and then, like, Zoe Deschanel's mom. Just <laughs> Donna's mom. And all those little things where you're like, why are you all here? <laughs> Did not realize that. Wow. (laughs) There's a lot of little um, 
not cameos, but like, I guess if you're watching this from 2016 point of view, there are some people like Rashida yeah. Jones' mom. That last moment, I mean, it was sort of classic sort of soap twist, mm-hmm. like just in the last like two or three minutes of the yeah. episode, just throwing something else in there. But there were so many sort of weirdly affected aspects of that scene. You know, like, the fact that he's told Laura to make tapes for him. Yeah. Which I suppose is like a, like, technique? It's like a... Like, might do? But still a bit weird. It's still a bit Like, it's, I don't know, like, writing journals is yeah. fine. But, like, it takes it, it pushes it one step further and makes it just kind of weird. And also the fact that it's what Agent Cooper is doing all the time, talking yeah. to a tape for someone else. Yeah. But just, and what's that like weird Hawaiian background? I know, he's so weird. That he goes to in a <laughs> hammock and I what would, is going on? I just, in general, think it's interesting when people just really decide, people who don't live in Hawaii just, or have never lived in Hawaii, just decide to fully embrace the stereotypical Hawaiian <laughs> decorations in their home but and the coconut why why was the necklace in a coconut is that a story distinction (laughs) that i'm not aware of he seemed like a very suspicious character Mm -hmm. and i know that we're i feel like we've been told from that episode to suspect that he has like knows a lot more yeah done something but I'm also inclined to not trust what we're being told because I know that it's the second episode, so yeah. it's like there's already about fifty twists. And using my experience of watching the killing, there was that teacher who everyone framed. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sort of trying to do trying to figure out what what I think about it, but yeah. not very well. It's interesting. <laughs> but it does like soap operas do a good job of ending on a cliffhanger. And making mm. you really want to come back tomorrow oh, yeah. or next um, next week. Um, what's next? Did you have a favorite moment? Um, I think my favorite moment was definitely the moments between um, Audrey and Cooper. Just in general, the building of that tension. Because Cooper and Audrey are my two favorites. Um, I'm annoyed with Bobby fully by now. So <laughs> he's not my favorite anymore. But I, I don't know. Just some good Agent Cooper moments. The log lady moment where she was like, one day my log will have something to say about it. You can ask it. And Cooper's like, no. And then, like, he hesitates. And she's like, that's what I thought. Walks See, away. I didn't, I didn't get why he was like, I feel like he's a weird enough character that he would turn to the log and say, what did you say, log? Yeah, just to humor it would be out of character for him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that he, it wouldn't have been that crazy if he had said something to the log. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite moment? Uh, it had to be the fish in the park later. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great line. So bizarre. How did it get in there? <laughs> was, did Pete plant it in there? Because he didn't like them? <laughs> There's a fish in the park later. <laughs> I love it. Like, that's what I got the feeling yeah. that he did, because... There's something going on between him and Josie. Mm-hmm. You can tell. But he this is the way that he was like waited a few minutes. He's like, oh, somehow. Somehow. I don't know how. Somehow <laughs> there was a fish in there. It's okay, you've already drunk. I hope you didn't drink it. I saw oh, that you drank it already. But... There's a fish. Like it happens every single day. Yeah. I just love it. <laughs> how 
happened? It's a good moment. You... <laughs> I mean, if you've ever managed to accidentally put fish in a percolator or any coffee making device, I'd be intrigued to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would comment right Right in. Tweet us. Yes. If you've ever <laughs> experienced this. <laughs> So we move on to, uh, to reviews. Yeah. Um, I so, did you, you can, sorry. Uh, oh, Go for well, it. Go I for didn't it. find any reviews for this episode is what I was going to say. I did oh. find an, a review from England though, when the pilot aired in England, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting because this reviewer for the Guardian, Nancy Banks-Smith, mm-hmm. um, sort of wonders about whether she says that she's inclined to think that Twin, the Twin Peaks is about Marilyn Monroe. Interesting. Because mm. um, the whole thing was David Lynch and Mark Ross were working on a Marilyn Monroe movie called Goddess yeah. that never happened. Yeah. And then they did this instead. Yeah, That's interesting. So that's what she's saying is that the way that there are just so many sort of um, tie-ins between it, you know, mm-hmm. like the death of a disturbed young beauty she writes. Yeah. And it's somehow connected with people. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so I just thought that was... Yeah, for I sure. I wonder if she... I mean, I could find out if I wanted to, <laughs> if this reviewer was right, but I sort of want to wait. Wait, wait. <laughs> um, I found two little reviews. I didn't actually find um, the full review, but I found these little quotes that... Um, TV Without Pities, Daniel J. Plow possibly, thought Leo was unconvincing and that the music was limited. Um, he thought that it was too similar of music over and over. It would just, I don't know why that made me laugh because it made me think about putting a loop of a song in the background of my YouTube videos. I'm like, it's the same 30 <laughs> seconds over. It made me think about that. But I think the limited range of music kind of works because certain characters have their own themes, like Audrey has a theme and it I think, I think the music fits really well with the show um, in yeah. its own way. I don't know what I don't know what they were talking about. And the other review it's I found um, was from Keith, Keith Phipps, possibly Phillips. I can't. Remember. I wrote it down Phipps, but I could have completely messed <laughs> this up. Keith somebody um, from AV Club said sound design was impressive, and it blurred the lines between diegetic and non-diegetic sound, which I thought was a cool observation, because I didn't notice that. Mm. Um, Interesting. For people listening who don't know, diegetic and non-diegetic is sort of the difference between sound that comes from the the scene, maybe, and then outside scene. Like, background music would be non-diegetic, and then you would have um, like the sock whooping around um, with the soap in it would be diegetic for example hmm. so. yeah that is interesting because um i've noticed that in the scene with the percolator mm-hmm. the fish in the percolator it's almost like josie does have this theme of those um what is it like the whole it's the sound of the mill there's mm-hmm. drones or like horns from it yeah she almost has a theme that is just yeah that constant ominous drone yeah, it's an interesting observation. And going forward, I'm going to pay more attention to sound design because mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't pay attention to it. I guess this time because I was thinking about the story. There have been very few times that I have freaked out about sound design, but there have been times I get excited <laughs> about it. It's quite a fun thing to analyze. If you yeah, know. it's fun. So, it's a lot of fun. It's 
So um, the next thing we're going to talk about is a show that is influenced by Twin Peaks. We did this last time with The Killing, and this time I want to talk about Wayward Pines, which I don't think you've seen. Am I correct? I have not. I only know that it's the TV show that M. Night Shyamalan did. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a mini series that he did, but it's based on a really good book series that I got because I had like a Kindle free trial. So I downloaded all three because honestly, the Kindle free trial didn't cover like a great amount of books that I really wanted to read. But I tried <laughs> these three um, and they were really good. It hooked me more than a book series has in a while. Um, I don't know oh. if that just tells you that I haven't been reading as much recently or if it tells you it's really good but I thought it was really good I thought it was really well written when I started it I was like what is this Twin Peaks inspired nonsense but then it really did take its own direction don't want to spoil it but it's about a agent um, who wakes up in a small town in the Pacific Northwest and you know you've never seen that before and no, he can't he can't leave the town like, he tries to leave, but he can't leave mm. the town, and it seems really idyllic from the surface, but then he finds out people... I'm not going to spoil anything, but he finds out that people are watching him, and he's not sure who is, and he's not sure who he can trust, and there's a lot of very, mm-hmm. very interesting Twin Peaks... I would say it's like a Twin Peaks and Lost hybrid. That's what I would okay. say it was, but it's really good. You can definitely tell the influence. Even the writer is like, no, I was definitely influenced by Twin Peaks, but it it definitely takes its own uh, takes its own path. Interesting. I I have seen that, but I will have to check it out. I mean, have you watched the TV show as well? Or no, I watched the first two episodes and then I got slightly bored by it. Not that it was bad. It's oh. just that I already had I had just read the books, so I didn't really feel like I needed oh, okay. to experience the show again. If that makes sense, but yeah. Um, I think so I'm going to recommend reading the books. I would recommend the books for sure because they're they're okay. really good. I love thrillers. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite genres. And it wasn't necessarily a thriller, but it was like a mystery and a thriller. And it had like sci-fi elements almost. I don't know. It's really cool. Really interesting. Definitely recommend cool. it. All right, everyone. So thank you for listening to episode three of our podcast, talking about episode two of Twin Peaks, also known as Episode 1, Traces to Nowhere. Yay. Yay. That's not confusing. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, our Twitter handle is probably the best place to do that. Our Twitter handle is at the log ladies, and we check that regularly. Um, and you can also email us. The email is thelogladies at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can also email us, like, either your thoughts about this episode or any of the previous ones, mm-hmm. or your thoughts about the upcoming episode, because we're going to be watching episode two slash episode, no, episode three. Episode, episode three. Two, episode three. This is it's not going to be the next one. The next one, <laughs> after this one. And if you want to send thoughts about um, other Twin Peaks related things, I can read the mail for now just to make sure that there aren't spoilers if you want. <laughs> So, and we can sort Please them by spoilers. we can sort them by episode. So you just write in, tell us what you think, tweet us, let us know, join the conversation, and we'll yeah. see you guys next time. Yeah.